The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hi, everyone. I'm Seven Investing founder Simon Erickson, and we are continuing our interview series here this morning. We're going to be talking about healthcare, which is an industry that's going through some very large changes right now. I'm excited to welcome Donald Brown. He is the founder and CEO of LifeOmic. LifeOmic is a company that's running a cloud-based platform to improve the health, the health outcomes of individuals and organizations. Don, thanks very much for joining Seven Investing here this morning. Well, nice to be with you. Don, we'll talk a little bit more about LifeOmic's business and the specific technologies that you're using a little later on, but maybe let's start at the 10,000-foot level. Um, you founded the company about five years ago, and uh, you've seen some big changes taking place in healthcare. Can you tell us about some of the biggest changes you see in healthcare right now and also what inspired you to, to found LifeOmic? Well, yeah, I think it's the same answer to uh, both questions, and it, it's really the the way that uh, healthcare uh, is becoming an information science. Uh, you know, I went through uh, medical school back in the 80s, uh, you know, and, and medicine was very much a, an art uh, as much as a, a science. You know, uh, it was really predicated on uh, having a physician who could memorize vast amounts of uh, information and then look at you, you know, as a as an individual and quickly uh, assess what's what was going on and you know come up with a, a diagnosis. And uh, physicians really prided themselves and were trained to uh, deal with as uh, little data as possible. Uh, it's kind of odd uh, in in healthcare there's been this love hate relationship with uh, with data you know in other disciplines in the software industry the more data the better that doesn't have to be clean it doesn't just give us the data and we'll uh, we'll figure it out you know i think google proved that to uh, all of us uh, but uh, with the advent of the human genome project uh with uh the rapid decreasing cost of uh dna sequencing uh lots of other technologies now uh we're we're coming to a point where uh healthcare has tremendous amounts of data that it can use to uh act in a more scientifically rigorous way than has been the case in the past well, I went on the App Store last night. I downloaded the Life Extend app that you have, which is a, a free app, you know, to help kind yep. of the, um, the lifestyle and the eating habits. I'm excited yeah. about My wife is very excited about that too, of course. Um, but that's just a very small part of the business, right? That's the free app, which is great. But um, LifeOmic is such a more complex organization than that. And I know your flagship product is really the Precision Health Cloud a yep. cloud-based app that's, that's more for professionals. Uh, can you talk a little bit about who your customers are and what they're paying LifeOmic uh, to, to accomplish? Yeah, well, you know, as I mentioned, I, I, healthcare is becoming more and more about data. Uh, 
you know, we can, uh, there's uh, just this explosion of uh, really uh, interesting and valuable data, starting with the, the DNA sequence, the genome sequence you were born with, and, you know, kind of going uh, right on uh, up the, the line. And so uh, what we did uh, early on at uh, Lifomic was to build a, a cloud-based platform that could aggregate all that data. Because one, one of the big problems in healthcare is that uh, there are uh, fundamentally different categories of data. There's the old school electronic medical records that frankly is just a, a mess, you know, data in lots of different formats, but it's useful data, you know, uh, laboratory values, you know, blood uh, test measurements, uh, physiological measurements, you know, the medications you're on, the sorts of procedures you've had. So it's, it's really valuable information, but uh, then it needs to be combined with with uh, you know this very different uh, genomic information, you know we're uh, each of us walks around with about uh, three billion base pairs worth of information uh, in uh, each of our cells, um, and we're realizing that that's tremendously valuable in uh, assessing our risk for different sorts of uh, diseases. Um, and then there's this explosion of wearable data. We're all, you know, walking around in increasingly with telemetry, you know, uh, fitness trackers and rings and all sorts of things that can provide moment-by-moment uh, -moment insight into uh, what's going on with our uh, physiology. So what we did was to build a cloud platform that could aggregate all that information uh, and then uh, uh, build visualizations so that physicians and other uh, healthcare uh, professionals can quickly uh, sift through that information and use it to uh, guide uh, treatment. And, and so uh, kind of the, the first use case for that, the most maybe extreme, is cancer. Uh, in uh, cancer is uh, increasingly, thankfully, uh, data driven, uh, because you know what we're what we've come to realize is that uh, if one of us develops cancer, it's uh, there there are mutations that have happened to that uh, uh, genome sequence we were born with, and it's tremendously important to understand those mutations and figure out which ones are driving the cancer. Uh, because some of those mutations are more important than others. And uh, increasingly, we're finding that once we identify the driving mu mutations, we've got effective treatments that are already available uh, out there. Uh, and so uh, our uh, initial collaboration has been with uh, uh, my alma mater, the Indiana University School of Medicine, and some of their cancer teams that are using our platform to aggregate this information and then to uh, identify the driving factors behind cancers and then ultimately to uh, treat uh, patients and help them live longer. Sure. And, and Don, it sounds like healthcare is not a siloed thing, right? Healthcare is a very comprehensive way of looking at a human being. But traditionally, a lot of those systems were siloed, right? They were just yep. looking at medical records. They were just looking at the genome. They were just looking at a specific facet without looking at the entire human being. Is, is that a fair assessment? Oh, it's a, it's a very fair assessment. Um, you know, a, a lot of doctors have been... Uh, 
kind of caught flat-footed by the advances in DNA sequencing and genomics. Uh, you know, in medical school, you you know, you learn a little bit of cell biology, you know, a little bit about DNA and everything. But uh, if uh, you went to your physician and said, uh, "Here's a uh, here's a flash drive with my uh, my whole genome sequence. Uh, can you you know look at this and give me some guidance?" Uh, you know, they would just look at you like you had landed from another planet. You know, they have no idea. What am I, you know, you're going to hand me 100 gigs worth of information. You expect me to do something with it. And, and so clearly the answer is automation. Uh, you know, computers are great at sifting through large volumes of information and, you know, teasing out relevant uh, factors. And so that's what, what we're trying to do, help doctors uh, who, you know, may only have 15 minutes or so to spend with you. Um, and so uh, it's wonderful that we have this proliferation of, of data, but now we've got to provide ways uh, to help clinicians uh, use that data effectively. Uh, because, you know, just as I say, throwing gigabytes of information at your physician, you know, they don't have time, they don't have the expertise to uh, deal with it. And so software tools become critical. We need to make it more relevant for the physicians that are seeing the patients with limited time on their hands. Yeah, exactly. And the analogy I use, uh, I've had the pleasure of uh, becoming a private pilot uh, the last uh, uh, 15 years or so. Uh, and, uh you know, in uh, airplanes, uh, they've gotten really good at uh, creating very simple, what are called synoptic displays. You know, if I'm flying along at 20,000 feet and uh, something goes wrong, I don't have a whole lot of time to dig out manuals or, you know, do a lot of uh, diagnosis. What I need is something that, you know, a flashing light that, you know, ideally with some sort of graphical display that says this valve right here, you know, is malfunctioning. And here's maybe even a suggested workaround uh, for it. Uh, and that's exactly what doctors need. So that we're working on that sort of synoptic, you know, overview display uh, that, you know, Simon's cardiovascular system is great. You know, he's a runner, his resting heart rate is low, don't worry about his heart. His ticker is fine. But Simon's kidney function, you know, based upon what we're seeing is a little bit sketchy, you know, uh, and, and so you, you might want to pay attention to this aspect of, uh, of Simon. Here's some tests you might run. Here are some medications uh, that uh, Simon is taking that might be uh, affecting his kidney function. And, and so that sort of sifting through, still relying on the, the expertise of the, the physician, but guiding them through this sea of data uh, to figure out what's relevant. Sure. Uh, Don, I'm going to be talking to my doctor very, very quickly about those <laughs> kidney tests. Great idea. <laughs> Uh, let's let's double click a bit on the technology that you just mentioned yeah. there, because you know, as growth style investors, uh, we like to look at artificial intelligence. We like to look at cloud computing. We're really interested in genetic sequencing, genomic sequencing, and your company. I'm so excited to talk to you this morning because you've kind of merged all of those together. And if I can just read this directly from your website, because I, I don't want to mess it up or or screw this up. I, I want to read it directly, but it says the Lifeomic Precision Health Cloud 
was created to break down the silos that exist between current systems. It can integrate genomic, EHR, imaging, demographic, and any other data set, indexing it so that you can effortlessly combine and visualize it in explorations, just like you mentioned in the last answer to my question. Um, I do want to ask about interoperability, because this is something that electronic health records have tried to crack for decades now. It was flooding the information onto the system, uh, but it seemed like it was more provider-friendly rather than patient-friendly, right? Is there something that you're doing differently than those traditional EHR platforms? Uh, yeah, and, and first, you're, you're exactly right. Uh, unfortunately, uh, EHRs uh, have largely been for reimbursement, you know, more for the financial side of, uh, of the business, the financial side of healthcare than uh, actual delivery of uh, care. Uh, but there has been a lot of work the last few years to develop some standards. Uh, one is called FHIR, F-H-I-R, uh, which I think is fast health uh, interoperability resource or something like that. But it's a, it's a way of uh, structuring that information from electronic medical records so that it's standardized, normalized, uh, so that, you know, if, if we're two physicians looking at blood pressure or, or lipid levels or whatever, that, you know, there, there's some sort of uh, common uh, uh, underlying coding system for us to use. And, and uh, in terms of coding systems, there are others like LOINC and SNOMED, uh, some uh, taxonomies that have been developed to try to uh, uh, standardize uh, this information. So we've been able to take advantage of those. We use those standards uh, to uh, encode all our information. Uh, we use uh, other modern standards for storing that genomic information. And then, yeah, kind of the magic is putting all that into a common index so that a uh, medical researcher can, in the same query, ask about uh, your uh, uh, DNA sequence along with your medication history and your blood test. And that really hasn't been possible before now. We've seen big tech companies very interested in healthcare recently, right? Google now has a life sciences division, Verily. Um, Apple's got health kits where they're, they're trying to build a platform for consumers to give data from them. But we've also kind of seen a hesitation from a lot of people of giving information to those big tech companies. Uh, do you think it's an advantage being a smaller independent company here? And then also, how are you approaching the data privacy issue? Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely believe it's a tremendous advantage. I think there's a lot of distrust um, of uh, the, the big tech companies. And so uh, it's, uh, it's kind of funny, but it does work out uh, to uh, our advantage that as a smaller company, especially one closely aligned with uh, respected uh, academic uh, medical institutions. You know, uh, uh, the IU School of Medicine is actually a shareholder in Lifomic. Uh, they own a, a minority a position that we gave them in exchange for access to uh, wide access to intellectual property. Um, but it also gives us a measure of, of credibility that, you know, we work with these sorts of organizations. We take that very seriously. And so uh, one of the things we did uh, early on was to invest heavily in security. Uh, so as a relatively young, small company, uh, we got our uh, HIPAA, HITRA, SOC 2 certifications in record time. 
Um, uh, we invest heavily in, uh, you know, uh, intrusion detection, uh, active uh, hacker solicitation. We want to get, you know, white hat uh, hackers out there pounding on our, our stuff, uh, you know, to hopefully spot problems before the bad guys do. And that's worked out really, really uh, well for us. We, we also took this stance, you know, in terms of business model early on that we don't own the data. So we don't monetize the, the data. We don't sell the, the data. Uh, the data belongs ultimately to the patients, to the users. Uh, that's certainly my philosophy. Uh, and then uh, uh, to the extent it makes sense for the organization. Uh, so, you know, in the case of IU and uh, putting, uh, assembling data sets for uh, their cancer patients, that's IU, the School of Medicine's data. It's not ours. And uh, so that, that has really helped simplify things that we're a, a platform provider. You know, we develop the tools. Uh, we do a lot of machine learning, visualizations, you know, data analyses. And that, that's where we add value. That's what we charge for. Uh, and so it provides a, a very clear sort of separation of, of concerns that, you know, we don't we don't own the data we don't want to own the data and that just makes uh, life much simpler in general i think that makes a lot of sense don we we just had spencer wells on a couple of weeks ago with insightome and he just talked about exactly what you mentioned that that was a real challenge for the direct to consumer genomics industry the 23 and me's the ancestries it's just you know when you are the product and there's other factors yeah. uh, it makes it a lot harder to get past that hurdle uh, we're unfortunately in the middle of a pandemic right now. Uh, COVID is a very serious situation out there. But I, I did want to get your perspective on, are there digital tools, uh, whether Lifeomic or other platforms, that you think would be helpful right now to help the spread, to help contain the spread of this disease? Well, yeah, there, there are certainly lots of uh, org companies and other organizations out there uh, working on contact tracing uh, apps, um, you know, obviously lots of biotech companies working on uh, vaccines and uh, other uh, therapies. Um, yeah, we're, we're really not playing in, in those areas. You know, uh, we're, we're fairly uh, focused, um, you know, on, first of all, just assembling these data sets that allow us to understand a person's health. And you, know, you mentioned our, our apps, uh, and it's, it's very true. Our flagship is this you know, enterprise-grade, you know, bulletproof cloud platform that can aggregate terabytes of information for uh, clinical care or clinical research. But along the way, all, kind of for fun, uh, we developed a couple of mobile apps. Uh, I think, as, as you know, I'm a big fan of uh, intermittent fasting. Uh, I went through a, a master's program in biotechnology at Johns Hopkins a few years ago and uh, happened upon a paper by a researcher named uh, Walter Longo at USC uh, that kind of blew my mind uh, as to the health benefits of uh, intermittent fasting kind of down at the molecular level, uh, which is uh, where my uh, interest uh, lies. You know, if, if I understand the molecular mechanism, I can believe it. You know, I can see. Otherwise, it's just kind of magic. If you just tell me, you know, Don, drink orange juice and you'll be healthy, you know, that's just not very satisfying. I want to know why. What's the underlying mechanism? And uh, that became very clear for intermittent fasting. 
And so I, I started practicing it myself and was very pleased with, uh, with the results. Um, I started kind of recommending it to uh, friends and, and family. And then ultimately we decided to build a little mobile app. Uh, initially it was a little fasting tracker that would use our cloud platform as the data storage. So it became a little bit of a load test. Uh, we figured maybe we would have five or 10,000 users uh, sign uh, up for it. Uh, we've now blown past 2 million uh, downloads uh, for uh, starting starting with the fasting tracker, and then we followed up with a second app called Life Extend. That uh, uh, yeah, it's, you know, we we did a right lot here. of yeah, that's great. We we did a lot of research. Uh, a lot of it was me personally trying to understand. You know, there's all this literature out there about what's good for you, what's bad for you. A lot of it's contradictory. A lot of it's confusing. But we spent about a year trying to distill out what are the basic things that people can do that we know, you know that, that are scientifically established uh, to make a difference in uh, uh, the level of people's health. And you know, I think most of them are, are very surprising. Eating lots of healthy plants, you know, you can still have your pizza and beer, Lord knows I do, but, you know, get lots of healthy plants into your uh, body uh, every day, uh, get exercise, uh, try to reduce stress through mindfulness uh, sorts of techniques, get at least seven or eight hours of sleep a night, and then watch when you eat. Uh, packing your calories into a confined window of, you know, roughly six to eight hours during the day, and then fasting the rest of the time uh, is uh, becoming, it's becoming very clear that uh, that has a tremendously beneficial effect on uh, health. Uh, so, so anyways, we uh, uh, built that little app. We uh, made it easy for the users of that app to uh, go and get an expensive blood test or genetic test, load those results up to us. And then ultimately what we're trying to do is uh, kind of what I described earlier, uh, to give you that bird's eye view, that cockpit sort of view of here's your cardiovascular system, your pulmonary system, your renal system, and so on, and kind of just uh, red light, green light, yellow light, uh, that your, your heart is great, but you know, here's a, another organ system that maybe because of genetic risk that you were that you inherited, or uh, you know, uh, lifestyle factors uh, that we're seeing the the data uh, reflecting some sort of risk uh, you know, needs to uh, be paid attention to in in some way, shape, or form. And so, I you know, the underlying. Uh, uh, concept uh, that again isn't any rocket science, but I think we all know intuitively it's easier to stay healthy than to fix you once you've become unhealthy, right? Our bodies are unbelievable in terms of being able to maintain a, a healthy state, but if they uh, fall out of tolerance, you know, with diabetes, cancer, Alzheimer's, you know, any of these nasty diseases, it's tough. It's really hard to fix them. And so that's, you know, one of my biggest misgivings about the healthcare system that so little emphasis is put on prevention. 
and um, uh, way too much on, on treatment. And, you know, none of us would uh, operate our cars that way. We wouldn't just drive without changing the oil or tires or anything until it breaks and, you know, then go into the mechanic and say, hey, fix this. You know, we, we put a lot of effort into prevention because we, we know that's more cost effective in, in the long run. Uh, so anyways, that's uh, part of what we're trying to do uh, at Lifomic so that kind of the direction we're going in addition to working with these big academic medical centers and hard problems like cancer and Alzheimer's, we're also uh, uh, taking the cloud platform and the mobile apps and uh, using those to offer corporate wellness solutions, even kind of personal wellness subscriptions uh, to people to help them lose weight and improve their health and, you know, all those things, hopefully way, way in advance of cancer or serious disease. Don, this is revolutionary for healthcare. Everything you just described makes intuitive sense, but the system itself is still treating sick patients, right? We've gotten yep. used to insurance networks reimbursing um, for checkups. Uh, if, if you're even doing checkups more often, you should go into the hospital because you're already sick and showing symptoms. Right. How, how proactive, okay, if consumers are being empowered to be in charge of their health, which is fantastic, how proactive should they be for this? Is this something that you envision just continually having sensors that are diagnosing things and, and putting up that red light that you need to go to the hospital? Or is it still a couple of times a year you need a proactive checkup that informs this? How, how does this work in your mind? Well, you know, ultimately in my mind, uh, the it, it should be continue, continuous monitoring of, uh, of our health by intelligent software systems. You know, as we were talking about uh, earlier, it's just impossible for a human physician to absorb uh, the mass of data that we can generate uh, about our, our health. Uh, and it's tough enough, you're just going in once a year, you know, for your annual physical, but uh, that's just, it's not enough. Uh, you know, it's increasingly possible now with these sorts of uh, uh, cloud platforms and big data, you know, machine learning algorithms and so on. Uh, systems can be monitoring our health every second of every day. And so there's just no reason for me, say, to wait, you know, a year for my next physical to go in and have something uh, dealt with if, uh, uh, something indicates that my body is, you know, kind of running out of tolerance, uh, you know, moving out of, out of tolerance right now, then I want to know about it now. I would like to address it now rather than uh, wait a year. Uh, and uh, especially uh, as these systems become more intelligent, they're just able to uh, find, to spot a lot more problems much earlier than a human physician can. And so I, I think this is where we're going ultimately. And, you know, with some of the devices, the Fitbits and Aura rings and others that are available to us, you know, we can have real-time telemetry that's watching us every minute of every day. And as I say, you know, the whole, the holy grail is early diagnosis, find a problem before it really is a problem. Uh, let's find it while it's, you know, a trend, you know, maybe a, an unhealthy trend that hasn't resulted in a disease condition yet. And then it's much, much easier to, to reverse that, that trend and undo any mild damage that has been uh, done to that point. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, 
before I get to my final question, I, I would like to say that Lifeomic is a private company, but if it were publicly traded, I would buy this company at a heartbeat. <laughs> I, I really wouldn't. I, I say appreciate that, it. I say that truthfully and objectively. Uh, Don, I, I think is really just, an, you're just such an incredible learner. You have such a wealth of knowledge you've built, you've built that uh, anyone listening to this interview can, can quickly recognize. Um, just to brag on you a little bit before I get to my final question, you have a, a bachelor's in physics, a master's in biotechnology, and a master's in computer science, a medical doctorate degree. Uh, you mentioned earlier you're a pilot now also. Uh, you also ran a company called Interactive Intelligence that you just kind of have assembled all of these pieces together into the ultimate company. I'm very impressed with everything you're accomplishing. Um, Lifeomic is definitely a company that's on my radar. Let me know when you IPO so I can be the first in line. Oh, we, we will make sure you know. We appreciate it. Yeah, on top of that, though, I really, since I have you here, would love to pick your brain about some of the other trends and technologies taking place out there. Uh, there is so much happening, not only just in healthcare, but in software and cloud computing and AI, artificial intelligence. Uh, what are a couple trends, Don, that you're really interested in that, that you see developing out there right now? Oh, there's so many. It's just, it's, it's a wonderful time, you know, especially for me as a guy who, uh, you know, went through medical school back in the 80s. It's just wild to see uh, how much has been learned since then. Uh, you know, I don't feel like I'm that, that old or that, you know, that I, I went through school that long ago, but I, I was able to go through that master's program uh, at uh, Johns Hopkins just in the last few years. And it was just mind blowing to go through stem cells, what's been learned about the immune system, uh, just the fundamentals of, of cancer and genomic uh, analysis. So yeah, there, there are so many uh, interesting things out there. I think last time we, you know, we talked about uh, technologies like uh, RNA uh, uh, interference, you know, which is really interesting. Um, uh, I've invested in a little company in Boston that's doing uh, really interesting work in uh, uh, protein degradation. Uh, protein degradation, you know, our bodies are protein factories, right? Our, our cells, that's, that's really the fundamental thing they do. They, they take a recipe that's uh, in the form of DNA and they use it to make proteins, you know, hemoglobin and collagen and enzymes and, and all, all these things. Uh, but now we're, we're starting to realize that we can intervene at different points, you know, uh, one thing just by uh, selectively breaking down proteins. Uh, initially, uh, that, that whole area was considered kind of a, uh, a useless scientific field because, you know, who cares how proteins are, are degraded? They just, they dissolve and they, they go away. Well, now we're realizing that there are active uh, uh, processes involved in uh, the destruction of, of proteins, breaking them down. And we can now design, tailor, make uh, drugs that can go into particular cells and break down particular proteins that may be in excess and, you know, causing a particular uh, disease condition. You know, a famous one is the amyloid uh, uh, protein in uh, Alzheimer's. So um, 
It's just a, a golden age. Our understanding of the immune system, uh, that's for, for me, that's one of the most uh, fascinating uh, areas. Uh, you know, I donated some money to start an immunotherapy center at the IU School of uh, Medicine. And uh, uh, immune therapy is really kind of at the front lines of, of uh, cancer. We're realizing that we can activate our own immune systems. We don't have to just take, you know, really toxic drugs to kill uh, the cancer cells and inadvertently kill normal cells too, uh, that we can activate our immune system that's exquisitely tuned to identify particular uh, uh, threats, whether it's, uh, whether it's uh, you know, uh, uh, coronavirus in the case of uh, COVID uh, or cancer. Uh, so uh, they're, they're just all these technologies, and they've all really been enabled by Moore's law and a, a similar phenomenon that we're seeing in the cost of DNA sequencing. Uh, I think Paul Allen, uh, you know, owner of the Portland Trailblazers, uh, paid something like 100 million bucks to have his genome sequenced in 2001. You or I could do that for a few hundred bucks uh, today. And uh, so, uh, you know, those, those sorts of uh, technologies are, are really changing everything just because of the insight uh, they're giving us into how our bodies work. I think those insights are, are setting up for the golden age of medicine and, and healthcare in the next couple of years. It's going to be a really fascinating time for your company and for the industry as a whole. I think so too. I, I think it's a golden age of, of medicine. And as I said at the outset, you know, uh, medicine is making that transition from an art to more of a data-driven science. And, uh, you know, for a guy like me, who's kind of bridged that gap is uh, his whole life. It's really exciting. Absolutely. Well, once again, Donald Brown, the founder and CEO of Life Omic, joining us this morning from out in Utah. Don, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for spending the time with Seven Investing this morning. My pleasure. And once again, thank you for tuning in to this interview. We are here to empower you to invest in your future. We are Seven Investing. A reminder that people on this program may hold positions in the companies that are mentioned. Buying and selling stock carries financial risk, which could include the loss of capital. The views in this program should not be taken as personalized advice. And before acting on any of the information provided, listeners are encouraged to consult with a financial or tax professional.